0: Do you want to stay more focused on the right goals in your life or even just figure out what the right goals are for you? Do you want clarity? Do you want better work-life balance? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Success Through Failure. Welcome to the Success Through Failure podcast, the show that reveals failure as your path to success. You'll listen to intriguing interviews with some of the most successful people on the planet and learn how their failures became a launchpad for success and how yours can too. Here's your host, former Division 1 All-American wrestler, former Division 1 head coach, speaker and personal coach, Jim Harshaw. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. Today I bring you Ruben Gonzalez. Ever since I finished my career as a Division I All-American athlete, I longed for not only the clarity of purpose that I had as an athlete, but also the accountability that comes with aspiring for big goals with a team of like-minded people. Then I discovered mastermind groups. Masterminds are small groups of like-minded people who get together either in person or over Skype or just over the phone to provide support, feedback, and advice to other members of the group. So I dove in and I learned all I could about mastermind groups, and then I finally launched my own. And the change was instant. I regained the accountability of being part of a group of like-minded, hardworking individuals who hold me to a higher standard. My mastermind group helps me get feedback and advice and even validation when I'm making big, big decisions in my life. And I have clarity and focus and accountability again, just like when I was an athlete, I've now facilitated dozens of high performers in mastermind groups. I'm talking Olympians and MBAs and neurosurgeons and professional athletes and, and entrepreneurs and lots of others. I've taken everything you need to know to start your own mastermind group and I have put it into a short 10-page ebook titled The Quick and Easy Guide to Starting Your Own Mastermind Group in 30 Days or Less. Grab a copy of this free ebook by going to jimharshawjr.com slash mastermind. That's jimharshawjr.com slash mastermind. Now, you might ask yourself why anybody in his right mind would want to jump on a sled and hurl himself down an icy mountain at over 80 miles per hour. Well, at the age of 21, Ruben Gonzalez did just that. He took up the sport of luge and started training for the Olympics. Four years and a few broken bones later, Ruben made his Olympic dream come true, but he didn't stop there. He kept training, and at the age of 47, he was competing against 20-year-olds at the Vancouver Winter Olympics. Ruben is the first and only person to ever compete in four Winter Olympics each in a different decade, and he's still competing at the age of 55. Ruben is also one of the most popular speakers in America. His best-selling book, The Courage to Succeed, has helped countless people achieve their goals and dreams. Get ready to be inspired. And as always, if you don't have time to listen to this entire episode or if you hear something you like, but you don't have time to write it down, make sure you grab your free copy of the action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. Ruben, welcome to the show. I am fantastic. You know, I was, I was excited ever since we got this thing scheduled, and then you and I started talking before we hit the record button, and and I am even more excited to to do this interview. And man, we got so much stuff to fit into this thing. We may have to do two sessions, uh, but we'll let uh, we'll let fate determine that because uh, we got a lot to cover here. So. Let's start with this, Ruben. I listen to listen to a lot of audiobooks, uh, read a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts, of course. And I'm listening to Jack Canfield's Success Principles book. And I hear about this guy, Ruben Gonzalez. I said, holy cow, what a story. I've got to have this guy on. And you asked me before we hit record, you said, how did you find me? And I said, well, I heard, heard about you in, in Jack Canfield's book. And you said, ah, I got to tell you that story. Can you tell me how you got you know, became part of, of Jack Canfield. Jack Canfield, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, he's written many, many uh, amazing books. He, you need to read some of his books, Success Principles, and is one of the many amazing books, but he's written, uh, all the chicken soup for the soul books, et cetera. But Ruben, how did you get your story to become part of that book?
1: Well, uh, Well, you know, I've always been a a student of success. Everything I was, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to figure out what makes successful people tick, right? And so I've I've read all the classics, and and obviously, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and then and then Success Principles. What happened was when I wrote my first book. I was looking for testimonials, right? You have to put some nice testimonials on on the back so people will actually buy your book. And so I made a list. I I made a list of about 100 top authors in personal development that I I would love, right? My wish list. And and then I went to each of their websites and I would call them up. And every single time you get the secretary, right? Or the personal assistant. And uh, finally I changed my pitch to, to, to fit them, right? Well, when I called Chicken Soup for the Soul, the 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 gal says, "Well, Jack's right here, right?" And she handed him the phone. <laughs> she she probably doesn't work there anymore.
0: <laughs> day one was her first day and her last day.
1: <laughs> but Jack, kind of in a mean voice, a real serious voice, says, "You got five minutes." And we started talking, and we we were we're talking for about ninety minutes. And he says, "Man, I'm writing this book, the success principles. I got to have your story in there because it fits perfectly." Well, he put me in there three times. And oh my gosh, I was even, uh, and I may still be in his PowerPoint. I mean, I, I've been booked uh, by big corporations and I asked them the same thing. How'd you hear about me? And they said, Oh, success principles book. <laughs> so thank you, Jack. <laughs> but, but it's only because I, you know, kind of stepped out and, and was willing to make those cold calls. Right. Yeah. Uh, Good things happen, but you have to get yourself out there.
0: Yeah, you you know, like I said, you can't stumble into something unless you're moving forward. And you move forward, you took action, and you know, you wrote down a list of hundred. And, and most people would, you know, may, if they went that far, they might get to call number five and go, "Gosh, this is this is painful. I'm getting a lot of hangups I'm getting a lot of no's." And, uh, and you just kept pushing forward, and you got in this one thing has led to a lot of a lot of great things in your life. But but let's go back further, Ruben, because you've done a lot of amazing things. And let's start with this. So how does somebody from hot and steamy Houston end up competing in the Winter Olympics in the Luge?
1: <laughs> you know, I was born in Argentina. Uh, my dad was a chemical engineer with Exxon, and we got transferred to the States when I was six years old. If I would have stayed there, I, I never would have gotten the Olympic dream because all they care about is soccer there. Well, um, I was an oil brat, ended up in Houston. And uh, when I was 10 years old, I saw the Olympics for the first time and I was hooked, right? I I wanted to be in that club. And believe it or not, it was never about the medals. It was, uh, what drew me to those athletes was their their spirit, right? I thought, man, this is a group of people that are willing to, to uh, train so hard for so many years, no guarantees of success, and then finally they make it, right? I thought, you gotta be so strong inside to do that. And, and I just wanna be one of them. And it was all about walking in the opening ceremonies. That was my medal. And so but I was never a great athlete. I'm a slowpoke. I got a lot of heart, but no, no talent, right? No, (laughs) no body, I should say. Kind of like Rudy. And so um, so I didn't believe it was possible. I wasn't even getting picked to play, you know, uh, kickball. And so I didn't do anything. My dad got me to read biographies. He said, if you'll study the lives of great people, you'll figure out what works and what doesn't work in life because success leaves clues. And And I read them. And, and I realized it's it's perseverance. That's what all these people have in common. They don't quit, right? And so I made a decision as a 12-year-old, I'm not going to quit. No matter what happens, Ruben doesn't quit. By high school, my nickname was Bulldog, right? Kids said <laughs> Your nickname. Somebody told me that. Your nickname needs to be Bulldog. Right? So I, I didn't even know it was happening, but I'm creating uh, uh, like a positive peer pressure to become even more perseverant, right? Because you got to live up to that name. Well, When I was 21, I'm watching, this is 10 years later, I'm watching the Sarajevo Winter Olympics, 1984, and I see Scott Hamilton win the gold medal in figure skating. And he's about 110 pounds, soaking wet. Uh, He gave me hope. I said to myself, if that guy can win the gold medal, I can at least compete. Right. And all of a sudden, before I had the desire, but I didn't have the belief. You got to have both. Right. Belief will get you into the game. Desire will keep you in the game. Right. Long enough to learn those skills and then use the skills to reach the goal. And so now I had them both. And so I went to the library and I uh, got this big book about the Olympics and it took me five minutes to realize, man, you got to be a super athlete to do any of this stuff. I was looking at the summer games and I got a little down. And then I started looking at the Winter Olympics and I thought, you know, I'm about to put together a, a plan for the next four years. It probably would make sense to base the plan on my strengths. My strength's not athleticism. My strength's perseverance. I'm bulldog. So I got to find a sport that's so tough. A sport's got so many broken bones in it, there'll be a lot of quitters. I'll be, I'll quit. <laughs> right. I I quit, right? I reverse engineered it, right? Yeah, yeah. and so I, I headed down to ski jump, bobsled, and luge. You know, I lived in Houston, so forget ski jump, right? I never skied before, <laughs> my, that would have been suicide. Uh, bobsled, you know, where are you gonna find three other nuts in Houston, right? I mean, can make up for that, right? I know those guys that you know they're cool with me saying that, but anyways, <laughs> that left the luge. I didn't, know, I didn't even know where the track was. I wrote Sports Illustrated a letter. I asked them, where do you go learn how to luge? <laughs> they wrote back, they sent me that picture I showed you. And yeah. um, uh, I, went, I called Lake Placid. I said, I'm an athlete here in Houston. I want to learn how to luge. So I'll be in the Olympics in four years. Will you help me? Right, I gotta be able to ask for help, be willing to. And the guy started laughing. He says, you're 21, forget it, man, you're too old. There's no way, you should have 10 years experience. And I knew if I hung up the phone, it was all over, right? So hanging up's not an option. And so uh, I just kept him on the phone. And I happened to tell him I was from Argentina. I was born there. And he did a 180. He said, if you'll go for Argentina, we'll help you. Why didn't you say that in the beginning? I said, why? You weren't <laughs> going to help me at all. And he said, because... <clears throat> Luge is not global enough. It's just the U.S., Canada, and a handful of European countries. We're about to get kicked out of the Olympics because we're not global. If you go for Argentina, you'll train with us. We'll have to condense 10 years of training into two. You're (laughs) going to get hurt a lot, okay? Uh, But because the last two years, you have to be competing against the best in the world uh, to get World Cup points. And a couple of months before the Olympics, they tally up the last two years. Top fifty get to go. Fifty-one watches it on TV. So we would go for Argentina. It was just like that. And I thought about wow. it for about a second. I told him, man, I'll go for Pakistan. I don't care. I just want to go to the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care what sport. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, and I went. And it was brutal. And I broke bones. And I kept kept coming back with my my attitude going in, which kind of goes with 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 your TED video uh, uh, TED talk. Uh, my attitude was a broken bone is a temporary inconvenience because bones heal and I'll be back, right? And that's what my kids, you know, I always tell them, life is tough. It's going to knock you down. You're going to have bloody knees, but guess what? You're going to dust yourself off, pick yourself up, get back in the game because that's what champions do. And uh, you got to tell people it's tough, so they put on mental armor and they're ready for the battle. If you tell them, man, it's going to be easy, you can do it, baby. Come on. Oh, here's your ribbon for 12th place, you know, then – as soon as it gets hard, it'll quit on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And what, what an absolutely incredible story. Um, you know, now heres you is, you're, you're trying to be what the oldest winter Olympian. Is that right? At 59 years old in Beijing.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it just happened. You know, I've had a different motivation for each one. Um, I did Calgary and Albertville back to back. That was 88 and 92. Then I quit. Uh, and um, uh, I, I did other things for about, Five or six years. Then my coach talked me into getting back in. He says, the luge needs Argentina. (laughs) We need more countries again. And he had to talk me into it. But I started training, brought my brother along. He started, and we both made uh, Salt Lake City. It was the first time two two brothers competed against each other in the men's luge. Wow. And then quit again, started my my speaking business. Uh, That was in 2002. Uh it took about six years to really get it going. And then I got bored. You know, I got about this six, seven year itch after about that that amount of time. I need a big challenge. So I got back into it and I made um uh uh Vancouver. I was uh 47 in Vancouver. Everybody thought I was a coach, okay? Because everybody's in their 20s <laughs> 30s. Sure. <laughs> what are you coaching? No, I'm competing. Ah, oh, come on, what are you coaching? <laughs> I had to explain it to them. <laughs> Yeah. And so um, now, after another seven-year break, I got the itch again. And last season, last uh, October, October of uh, 2017, I went to Calgary, took a few runs, see if my neck could, could even handle the G forces. Right, you're putting pulling six Gs on some of those curves. Wow. I'm sliding better than ever. I'm mentally tougher. I'm actually listening to the coaches for a change. Right. I'm applying what they say right away. <laughs> Because I got this back to the wall mentality now, right? I figure I, I, I got I better do everything these guys say, and just um, getting a new sled, faster sled. And they said you got a shot, right? And that's all I need. Just give me a. As long as I have a shot, that's enough to motivate me to go for it. If I if I make it, awesome, right? In, in uh, Beijing, I'll be fifty nine. Uh, right now, the oldest Winter Olympian is a Swedish curler from the nineteen twenty four Olympics. Wow. Yeah, how old? It'll be a ninety-eight-year-old uh, record, right? Yeah,
0: how old was the uh, curler?
1: He was fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. And, and wow. so I'll be fifty-nine. And and to be honest, uh, Jim, I, I hope that my my record only lasts four years. I want I want to motivate and and inspire other athletes, right, uh, to come out of the woodwork and say, hey, if Ruben, if that guy can go at at, at his age, you know, maybe I got another Olympics in me, and and, and have him come back. And I, boy, if somebody breaks my record at the next Olympics, I'll be the happiest guy out there.
0: That's incredible. Well, I hope you make that uh, make your record, and, and I hope it gets broken too, man. What yeah. is uh, what an incredible story? So, how, how, you just talk about all the G's you're pulling. How fast do you go down? If you said I think eighty eighty miles an hour. Is that what it is? What's yeah. It, what's it feel like going down? what do you call it? A, 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 a not a ramp it's yeah. a luge track Track, of course track.
1: uh in, in german it's the lugebahn right the rodel rodelbahn but um it's a uh, most tracks are 75 80 miles an hour uh nice. fastest track <sighs> right now is in uh the one up in whistler the one they used for the vancouver olympics uh, they said oh by the way they just by the way right uh the engineers messed up 95 miles an hour ooh what are you gonna do? Right, you gotta go do it. Wow. Uh, it's, but it's actually a great place to train because even from ladies started doing ninety, and so after training in Whistler, you go to the
0: other tracks and you feel like you have so much time to think, right? Sure. And uh, it's
1: really good for for mental training.
0: Yeah, we had Cami Miler. Uh, do you know Cami?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, so
0: we had her on episode ninety three, and uh, she shared some of those stories too. Incredible! What a what a what an amazing sport.
1: Oh, was she was incredible. I mean, she won all these medals, and she, I think she was in four Olympics. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, just, right. And now she's a, a big-time lawyer. I mean, yeah. she's very smart. I mean, you could tell. Very cerebral, which is kind of uh, uh, common in the sport of luge. Everybody thinks we're a bunch of of um, daredevils, right, and, and, and risk-takers and everything. But uh, the uh, the risk-takers, uh, the they're gone after the first season. They're off to, you know, base jumping or something else. Yeah. So, once at stick are very analytical people that are willing to, uh, you know, you have to study the trajectories and it's, it's, yeah, it's more like it. a race car driver than, uh, than, than a parachuter.
0: Yeah. You know, that's similar with wrestling. People think wrestlers are just a bunch of muscle head meatheads and it's, it's, it's quite the opposite. It's, it's a, it's a martial art, you know, it's a chess match yeah. out there. You you know, your, your kids are in judo.
1: Yeah, no, it's a fast paced chess match. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now Ruben, a lot of the folks listening are saying, "Okay, you know, there's 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 this process, and you've, you know, I know you've talked about this process of dream, struggle, victory. Right? That's kind of the storyline. Right? You have yep. to have the dream first. There's the struggle in the middle, and then there's the victory. And that the dream can come quickly, the victory can come quickly, but the struggle is." is the long hard part. And a lot of people feel like they're, they're stuck in that struggle piece where, what would you say to that person who's saying right now, they've had this dream and they've been working towards this dream and they've been working for years and they face failure after failure, after setback, after obstacle, after, after adversity. What do you say to that person who, who's got that dream, but they've not yet reached victory?
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I, I tell everybody to, uh, you need to find somebody that's already done what you want to do, right? As an athlete, we're always looking for the coach, right? And so you got to find somebody that's done it, not somebody that, that, that that's an, quote, expert. He's read every book about it. He's a theorist but because he's never done it. That guy can't help you. It's got to be somebody that's been in the trenches. And then you have to – and it's okay to approach those people, okay? It doesn't matter if they're an Olympic medalist because, see – uh, when 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 somebody reaches success, right? You always hear about ah oh, successful people, but they're always empty inside. They're missing something. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what they're missing. Uh, there's another level beyond success. It's called significance. Okay, that means you've helped other people become successful. So it's a two way street. You go to that that mentor, and as long as you're willing to take action and do whatever they say, right? Um, you're helping them reach significance because when you succeed, is going to help them too. See, uh, but if you just want to be a you know a eternal learner, then uh, don't waste your time because it's no good. So I, I just say keep going, but find somebody. You know, and sometimes it's just a little tweak. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, when I was training for for Vancouver, um, we, one of the races I had to do was up in Lillehammer. And I've never been to that track before, so I went and I'm training for about oh, about 10 days. By the way, if you train more than 10 days, 10 days, two weeks in one track, you get stale. You're you you get bored, right? Because you need your mind needs change, uh, and uh, and you start flatlining and you start making stupid mistakes and crash and get hurt. So they try to move us around every two weeks, different track, and, and that keeps you sharp, right? So I'm at Lillehammer training. Coming out of curve 13, uh, it looks like I'm going to hit the wall every single time. And so I'd do this little shake, this little shimmy, and put myself into a skid, and uh, you know, finally i correct, but I'd lose all this time. And Coach would say, man, you're coming out of 13 fine. What are you doing? He goes, man, it looks like I'm going to hit that wall. And he says, well, you're not. Then he'd show me videos, and it was true, right? But I uh, still, it was like a metal block, right? And so I come back to Houston. And I've, and I've got a good friend. His name is Don Akers. He was a, a he, he was a boxer. He came one fight away from making it to to the L.A. games. And he's and he's really into hypnosis and he knows how the mind works. If you really get into your head. He's a great coach. So he said, hey, why don't you come over to my house and bring your sled? Because I had to race in Lillehammer in a few more weeks and do well to have a shot to 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 make it to Vancouver, okay? And so I go to Don's house and bring the sleds, so just lay on the sled and you know take a, a mental run and tell me what you th- what what comes to your head, what you think when you're coming through thirteen, and and I took it took several times, right? But finally I said, here it comes. He says, here it comes. Is that what you're saying to yourself, man? Y- you're being totally reactive you got to be proactive okay you from now on your new mantra is here I come here I come you're gonna stick it to that track okay and so man I wrote here I come all over the place okay I had it in front of my steering wheel and my bookmarks everywhere I even put it on top of the sled For, last thing I see on top of the sled in the cowling it says here I come and and when I went back to Lillehammer, boom no problem so see that little tweak yeah right from here uh, here it comes to here I come. That Maybe it's a little thing like that that's holding that person. He's been hitting his head on the wall for 10 years, and he's just one little tweak away from making it. And so that's why you have to talk to the people who have been there.
0: So Ruben, that brings up two questions. Number one is visualization. Sounds like you did a lot of visualization in your training on the way to the Olympics. Tell us a little bit about that and maybe how we can take that idea of visualization and apply that to our lives in the real world? Cause most of the folks listening right now, maybe they were athletes at some point, part, part of their life, but you know, their parents and their entrepreneurs and their teachers and their salespeople, et cetera, out in the real world. Now, how do we use, you know, tell us about your visualization and how we might be able to use that in the real world.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, in the luge, it, you're pulling the Gs. It's really cold. Uh, there's a lot of stress. You know, There's fear too, right, because you can really get hurt. And so you you, you rarely take more than six runs uh, a day, okay? You usually take three runs in the morning and three runs in the afternoon, and you're wiped out. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, I feel like I just ran 10 miles after, uh, after six lousy runs on the luge. I mean, wow. six minutes of nothing laying there. Well, so how are you going to get good? How are you going to improve? on six runs a day so you have to visualize but you don't just visualize the perfect run okay before a, a training run or before especially before a race run yeah you're you're visualizing the you know you take a you know maybe five or ten mind runs they're they're perfect right but at home right in your hotel room you're taking um, uh, you're taking runs where, okay, what am I going to do if I'm too early into curve one? What am I going to do if I'm too late into curve one? What if I just hit that wall before left wall or right wall before curve one? What about curve two? You go through every single curve, 15 or uh, 15 or 16 curves, most tracks, and so this is contingency plans, right? You're preparing mentally for what's what's the worst that can happen at every point of the track, and and now since you've thought it out and you have a, a way out, you know, you can correct and, and, and take yourself out of those problems. That gives you confidence because you know that you can handle anything that track and throw at you. So, so that's the, you know, those are escape routes, we call them, right? You have to visualize the, the escape routes as well, not just the perfect route. So uh, for a salesperson, for example, right, or somebody's going to have to call people, well, why don't you visualize what you're going to say? But also, you better visualize, you know, think about, well, what if you asked me this question or that question or this question, right? Uh, all the different, the most common objections that you might get. Well, now if you're ready, and don't write them down, you know, don't write them down. You, you got to be conversational. Otherwise, they'll, they'll know that you're reading, right? And uh, but But be ready. And If you do that, and if you smile, right, uh, you know, beginning salespeople they, tell, they put a mirror in front of the phone because so, you got to smile because the smile comes across. And if you're smiling, that's going to help you relax as well too. So it's all, you know, kind of all works together.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that that's a, that that makes sense because you you think of those things whether you're if you're in sales or if you're a teacher or if you're a parent, you got to visualize that scenario, that situation, that that challenging situation that you're going to have, and. And visualize yourself you know making the adjustments on the fly and, and and being successful at the end and I said there were two things i want, that 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 you brought up there that I wanted to touch back on, and the second one is you talk about writing that quote down on your sled, so that was the last thing you saw before you went down and i before we say, record on this this interview. Uh You were showing me around through skype here through the video you were showing me around your office and all these amazing things around your office right all these these uh these books that you have and these things on the wall and these this this environment that you've created so you're always seeing these these symbols of success around you. I call this the environment of excellence. is that important
1: I love that uh yes, of course, because you've got to have your you know one of the things I do is before I can uh, look at my emails, I have to write down my goal, okay? And, and this doesn't have to be a dissertation, okay? I can just write Beijing 2022. That's it. That's my goal, right? Yeah. So I start the day with a goal in mind.
0: Do you right? do that? Do you write down your goal?
1: Yeah, yeah, every day.
0: Every right? day, you know, wow. It's
1: easy, Beijing 2022, I mean, yeah. Doesn't take that long, does it? Yeah. But writing it down. Oh well, I don't need to write down. I know. I know that I want to go to the Olympics. No, writing it down is an act of commitment that's tangible. It's it goes deeper into your soul if you're using your hand for some reason. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it just does. And so, and then I've got on my on my uh, screensaver. I mean, I got stuff rolling all the time. Pictures of all the things that I want to do. And you saw my my one time I counted uh, uh I counted how many sets of Olympic rings were in my office. They like thirty sets. There was like thirty sets of Olympic rings. I'm bombarding my brain. <laughs> so if yeah. I if, if I if I daydream, I daydream Olympics. See, but if you don't do that, you know what happens? Six months go by. You know, life gets in the way. Life gets in the way. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to pick up the groceries. Oh, I got to fix that fence. Oh, I got to do this. And, and life gets in the way. Six months go by, and then you remember, oh my gosh, I forgot. I was going for the Olympics. I just blew six months. And that's what most people do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, whether it's your, your goal to be in the Olympics or, or make a million dollars or lose 30 pounds or, or get a promotion or start a business or whatever it might be. I just want to encourage the listener to take this information that Ruben's talking about and, and apply this to your life because you have that Olympic dream, whatever that is for you, do these things that, that Ruben does. I mean, the, the success leaves clues and, and mm-hmm. he's doing these things and you can do these exact same things in your life. And yeah, write down whatever it is personal.
1: that you want. Yeah, it's your own personal Olympics, right? I tell right. my kids. I mean I've told, told them a million times, look, guys, the Olympics was my deal. Okay. Don't feel like that. You you need to do that too. You gotta figure out what's the Olympics for you, okay? And so uh, so our, our daughter, Gabriella, she just started college, she wants to be a Christian counselor. She's just started going to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Uh Grayson, uh my son, he's into aviation. He'll probably end up going to uh to Air Force Academy. And so – and I've told them a million times, look, guys, even though they've been uh, judo state champs twice, each of them, they're really good and they have a great coach. I've told them, look, if judo's not your deal, don't do this for me. You'll be wasting your life if you do it for me, okay? You got to do what's in your heart. You got to figure out what yours is. And I think they've, they, they've gotten it.
0: Ruben, you wrote a book called The Courage to Succeed. How, how does somebody have that courage to succeed? How do they – how does somebody become unstoppable – on their way to achieving their goals and their dreams,
1: I believe that you got to have two types of courage to succeed in anything in life. You got to have a, the, the courage to get started, right, and uh, and then you have to have the courage to not quit. Now, the courage to get started uh, that comes from believing it's possible, right? If you believe something's possible, hey, heck, heck I'll, I'll give it a shot, right? Uh, but if, if you have the the the, the courage to uh, to not quit that 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 comes from your desire. If you want something badly enough, ain't nothing gonna make you quit, right? And so the courage to 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 succeed is is those two put together. And when I got started, I just had the you know had a lot of desire, but no belief. You know, I was a, I not a great athlete, I'm gonna be in the Olympics, give me a break. I didn't believe it was possible. I didn't do anything for 10 years. It wasn't until I saw Scott Hamilton that, that belief kicked in. And 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 so You're going to need you know, you need that desire because the the way to success is tough. You know, you're going to have to go through this struggle. And the the main part of the struggle is wherever you start anything new, you don't have any skills. You're clueless. So you have to give yourself time. And sometimes it's years. You got to give yourself time to learn the skills that you need to reach your goal. And then, you know, you got to use those skills. Uh, but it's most people have this microwave mentality. They think they're going to do it in one year or in six months. That's just not realistic. I mean, you didn't become an all American wrestler uh, <laughs> overnight,
0: right? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a long, hard journey. And, and when you have that that belief and that desire, and you can have that courage, like you talk about, then that that's when great things happen. And from the outside looking in, Ruben, in your life, it's easy for us, the rest of the world, to look at Ruben and say. Gosh, things come easy for him, right? You know, there's, he's just had success after success after success. But can you share a story about a time where where you actually failed? A time where you failed, and as a result, you felt that hopelessness, that that self doubt that that comes with failure? Um, because for us, we look at you. You know, you're you're a multiple time Olympian. You're a best selling author. You're a a high demand speaker speaking in front of you know Fortune 500 companies all, all around the country, all around the world. Tell us about a time where you failed.
1: You know, I always wanted to play soccer as well, right? Uh, being from Argentina, you know, we're, we're soccer fanatics. And, and and I played, but but I'm a slowpoke. So even though I have good skills, I wasn't that great because, you know, the other guy got to the ball first. <laughs> so I was still on the bench, even though I had good, good skills. But I found out that Houston Baptist University had an NCAA Division I soccer team. And so I went and I tried out and I made the team. I even got a scholarship. I couldn't believe it. Well, about two weeks into the season, coach, after that tryout, coach says, hey, come to my office. I got to talk to you. And he says, sit down, shut the door. He says, obviously, he had an incredible tryout that day, a couple of weeks ago, because you're really not that good. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You're holding us back, man. You're too slow. I mean, he was a real motivator. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, the new rule around here is you get to play when we're winning by two goals because you're a threat to our own team. That's what he said. Wow. Yeah. But you know what? It didn't even hurt. I was still so happy to be part of the team that on my own, I realized, okay, you know, at least uh, my new goal in in life is don't get cut. So I started doing all the marketing for the team just on my own, right? I would put posters. I'd make posters, put them all over the room, uh, all over the school, and and we started getting more people watching us. I I started mowing the lawn on my own, right, and washing the soccer balls and doing whatever it took just to just, you know, I figured if this guy cuts me, he's going to have to hire three guys to replace me. And I played about five minutes a game, but I was part of the team. I was in that, I was on the traveling squad and just being part of that team just made me feel, feel so good. And so that was one of them. Uh, if you have a minute, I'll tell you another one, uh, uh, well, over the years, I've broken my foot twice, my knee, my elbow, my hand, my thumb, a couple of ribs, uh, all different crashes, right? All different comebacks. That's just part of the price you you pay. But one year, uh, it was in 1987, we're in St. Moritz, Switzerland for a world cup race and we're training. And I'm watching the Italians. I went to Curve 13. It was a curve I was having a little bit of trouble uh, in, in, in St. Moritz, uh, and I just wanted to tweak my line. So I went when the Italians were trading. They were, they were hot that year. And, man, when you watch it on TV, it's kind of boring. But watching it live, it's amazing. I mean, you're a couple of feet away from the track, and you whew, they go by 80 miles an hour. I Man, I whispered to myself, man, I can't believe I do that. <laughs> wow, I can't believe I do that. I can't believe I did that That went on for about an hour and a half right well next day when I'm going on 13 my mind reminded me right that's right Ruben you can't do that I totally forgot to steer I went up to hit the wall on top of the curve crashed down last thing I remember is I'm flying through the air you know and through my legs I can see the sled smashing right and it's coming at me 80 miles an hour so I just dove from the side of the track I figured whatever's on the outside of that is better than that sled and I hit something I broke my foot broke my hand, and the sled is total. This is a year before the Olympics, and I'm a pretty positive guy, but I had a three-day pity party. You know, and it wasn't until halfway over the Atlantic coming back home, I finally got my head straight. And I said, man, I've broken bones before that bones heal 40 years for 40, 40 days from now. It'll be stronger than before. So that's no big deal. Tomorrow I'm going to the gym. Right. I got to get back on the horse. And so I went to the gym, you know. And then what about the sled? I can't afford to buy another sled, but maybe I can borrow a sled. So as soon as I got home, I started calling all the luge guys to see if they had another sled. And Adam Cook from the New Zealand team. Uh, God, it's a lot shorter than me. He says, I'll I'll lend you my my sled, but uh, if you wreck it, you pay for another one." I said, <laughs> "You got it." And and I I I qualified for the Olympics on that sled that uh-huh. was too small for me, but it was and I raced on that sled uh, and um, you know and it's it who's better than racing on my rear end? You know, you got to do what you <laughs> can with what you got right now. But but yeah, it's tough. It's going to be tough, but you got to be tougher. You know, it's it's worth it. It's so worth it.
0: And I want the listeners to again, you know, look at your own life. Like you, you're, you have goals, you have dreams, you have aspirations, and you've failed along the way. You've had setbacks, you've had obstacles. Like that's normal. That's that's part of the process. If you don't have those things, yeah, you, maybe you're one of the lucky ones. But but those are those are just a normal part of the journey. So embrace those. Find ways to get through those. Talk to people who have found success despite or because of those same obstacles, and, and you're going to get there. So I just want people to put this in perspective in their own lives. Ruben, we have, you know, we've, we've heard these amazing stories from you and, and for, for me and all the other listeners who are bought in, what would you say, what can we do in the next 24 to 48 hours to really, you know, start taking action on, on the things that you taught us here today? What, what was maybe one or two action items you can give us?
1: Well, First of all, make a list, right? Make a list of one thing. Okay. you know, Don't try to do a bunch of things. You gotta have one goal, one thing that you want to accomplish in the next year. Right, and maybe one that you like to accomplish in the next three to five years. But that's it. If you try to do two, forget it. Your your chances of making either one of them just drop big time. Uh, like we said before, just write your goals down. You know, before you check your emails, uh, I put pictures of your goals all around you, just like you know what do you call it? Environment of success. Environment of excellence. Uh, environment of excellence. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> uh, uh, find someone. You know, it's already done what you want to do. You know, got to find that mentor, that coach, right? Get get an accountability partner, right? Like if you have a buddy uh, you go work out with, you're more likely to go, right? Yeah, <laughs> because, right. you know, and so and it, here's a good one. Ask yourself several times every day, what can I do in the next 10 minutes to get me closer to my goal? Wow, What a great question. Yeah, yeah. And whenever you get, you have decision to make, just ask yourself, hey, is this going to get me closer or farther away from my goal? I will tell you, when I was training for the Olympics, uh, even now, right? Somebody offers me a piece of chocolate cake. I, I, I okay, I, I'm weighing. Okay, chocolate cake or Olympics? Hmm, I think I'll take the Olympics. It's real easy, right? When you're not training for the Olympics, man, I eat all that chocolate cake yeah. and I shape again. So, ask yourself that. So this is going to get me closer or further away.
0: Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, be willing to do whatever it
0: takes. I talk about the productive pause. And, and for so many listeners, they, they've heard this before, but it's a short period of focus and reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. And what a powerful, powerful productive pause question. What can I do in the next 10 minutes that's going to move me towards my goals? Man, love that, Ruben. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. How do we find you? For the listener who wants to find you, follow you, buy your books, et cetera, how do we find you, follow you, et cetera?
1: Go to uh, thelugeman.com, uh, that's T-H-E-L-U-G-E-M-A-N.com. And there's videos there, uh, the, you can sign up for a newsletter and get a bunch of pick-me-ups, right? Every two weeks or so you get a really good article, it'll keep you going, right? Yeah.
0: Excellent. And and I would recommend the the website to, to all the listeners. I mean, I'll have that in the action plan. Go to jimharshawjr.com slash action, and you'll have the links uh, as well as all the tips, tactics, tools, everything that uh, Ruben just shared with us here today. I'll have those in the action plan, but go to lugeman.com or jimharshawjr.com slash action to get everything in the action plan. Ruben, thank you so much for making time to come on the show.
1: Oh, hey, thanks for having me. I, I, I love your story and I love what you're doing. Keep, keep doing it. You're making a big difference.
0: Yeah, well, likewise. Keep it up and uh, maybe we'll have you on again sometime soon. And for the listener, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success.